Cybersecurity is playing a big role in the global race for a COVID-19 vaccine. We discuss next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. All right, welcome in to another episode of the Cyber24 podcast presented by our friends at Valcom. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, joined today by Anthony Boise from Sophos and Dan Schuyler from Valcom. Gentlemen, welcome from each of our individual appropriately social distance spaces that we're connecting on over Zoom. Once again, thank you for having me. Yes, Marty, it's good to see you again. This, was all, you. this was all the talk before we actually started the podcast, but Anthony has a very, what I would call a robust beard going on. Did you say 11 weeks? Is that, uh, that what we've got there? Yeah, on Sunday, it's 11 weeks. This yeah. I called the growth within one week. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you, that was yeah. good. That was Three unshaven men on this podcast today, but Anthony lapping the field for yes. sure. Uh, hey guys, I, I thought we'd point out to the audience today, uh, this is episode 85, uh, which makes it the final episode of season four. So congratulations all around through four seasons. Uh, for our audience, unlike in the past, uh, we do not have any intention of taking off a couple weeks before we jump right in uh, to season Five with episode 86, so still look for another episode to drop uh, next week as well. So good, good on us all around. Uh, we've made it all the way through season four, and they never said it. They said it would never last, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, I want to jump in on this topic because uh, uh, it deals with coronavirus and COVID-19 and the pandemic, but mostly the race across the world to try to come up with some kind of vaccine that can help put this whole miserable experience behind us. Uh, and the U.S. among the nations that, are, that is working very uh, diligently day and night trying to get a vaccine developed. And, you know, I, I don't know, I haven't gone back to sort of check this. This is a little bit more off the top of my head, but I keep hearing everything from first quarter of 2021 and some on the optimistic side say toward the end of this year, you know, maybe in time so that we can start to get some people vaccinated before we would have some kind of outbreak potentially again uh, next year. But either way, the point being, all these nation states are out trying to develop, uh, trying to develop a vaccine. And here in the U.S., that's not necessarily government-led. That's done a lot in our universities and uh, even in private companies. So obviously, where does the cybersecurity connection come in on that? We've got sensitive data that everybody wants, and in particular, China <laughs> wants this data. They want to know what we're doing and how we're doing it, and so on. And there are, is some concern. Uh, about how well we are able to protect that information. So Newsweek has a story uh, just this week. China is hacking coronavirus research and federal agencies can't stop them. So first, let me just, let me just give you the, the sort of uh, the lead of the story and then we can jump into a discussion from there. China is stepping up efforts to hack the critical coronavirus research conducted by American universities and laboratories and in the private sector because the, uh, the information is not classified and federal authorities can't do anything to protect it. National security and expert uh, security experts and legislators have told Newsweek. So as a, ritual, as a result, China is actively trying to exploit the gap between federally protected information and what's protect, produced in the public realm. Uh, all right, there's a big gap there. And, and this is the quote that kind of jumps out to us. Uh, the Chinese want to be in these centers of development and innovation because if something new is created and it's not covered by a classification or restricted in some way legally, they can basically steal it. Um, so the bottom line is they say federal agencies in the executive branch 
can only act as authorized by statute. Gentlemen, my question then uh, to you is, uh, are you surprised at all by any of that? And, uh, well, I guess let's start there. Are, are you surprised to hear that China's trying to steal these secrets? I, I, I'm a lawyer asking a question I think I know the answer to. No. <laughs> Dan says no, okay. Anthony, you want to follow up on that? <laughs> yes, I am very surprised. <laughs> he said. I'm surprised that they are only just trying and they haven't already done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, no, but, but just like Dan said, you know, it's, uh, as I read this article and um, I, 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 I kind of my head went a couple of different places, like them trying as if, uh, you know, uh, like they haven't already infiltrated and even uh, got hold of information, um, you know, and, and even to a certain extent talking about regarding their access to, to government, uh, you know, information that we have, but as it's talking about the medical side of the house and, and about how a lot of this is kind of done over on the on the private side. And so they're obviously the target. Uh, and because the government isn't necessarily the one that's trying to uh, create said vaccine, it's happening in the schools, it's happening, you know, in those colleges and, and so on and so on, that, um, of course, they're a huge target. Uh, we're not, this isn't the first time that we've heard that China's tried taking uh, US secrets or, or even just uh, private enterprise uh, patents and, and so on and so on. So it absolutely does not surprise me even a little bit. So I guess my question to follow up then is, what chance does a private business or a university here in the United States have against a nation state, particularly China? And why exactly are they more vulnerable? Are there not things that they can do? Can they not replicate what the government has done? Is it a lack of investment on the security side or is there just things that aren't available to them to protect themselves? I think it's based on each individual organization and how much they've invested in their security infrastructure. Um, certainly one thing that they could do is isolate all of their research and development to the, to the best extent possible that they're doing with regards to the vaccine development uh, so if there is a, a breach or a hack that that, uh, that um, information uh, is, is safer, if you will. So yeah, I think they're, they're definitely going to be a target. I think Anthony said that well. They've always been a target. They always will continue to be a target. Nation states have been going after each other for eons. Um, but with regards to the research being done with regards to COVID-19 and a vaccine, one of the things that the universities and these private organizations can do is try to isolate that research from the rest of their environment. So if there is a breach, at least there's some additional layer of protection. Yeah. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that kind of stood out to me about this is, is it wasn't even just talking about necessarily someone coming in digitally and trying to, 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 to steal this information, which is kind of how I, I envision it. Right. Uh, um, nation states sitting over where they're sitting, uh, information sitting over here where we're sitting. But one of the quotes that says, unfortunately, this comes at a price as they are easy targets ranging from insider threats that include students, faculty, and staff. And then and, and it goes on, right? So it's, it's more than just, um, yeah, they're low-hanging fruit, unfortunately. Yes, the budgets aren't the same. Yes, we're not uh, you know, these, these industries don't have the, the capability of being able to kind of digitally protect themselves in a similar kind of fashion that, 
that you know we do at the FBI or that we do it you know at at a, at a, at a nation level for from a government perspective. Um, that said, uh, them being the lowest hanging fruit, uh, if they if China can pick up a piece here and a piece there and a piece here, the thing that I think is the most frustrating is that we are trying to do. You know, when I say we, the, the globe, those that are working in this research are trying to come up with said cure, right? They're trying to find said vaccine. They're trying to, one would hope, in it for, for the best of the people. Um, but yet, it just seems that this approach and, and what's going on is that China doesn't have the people's interest. Like when I say people, I'm talking about the human race their interest, right? It's it's literally uh, a, a race to, to have this to make, I don't know, maybe it's control, maybe, it, I mean, who knows, right? But um, uh, it's it's just unfortunate because there's a lot of people that have been affected and uh, I mean, not just obviously the business and enterprise that are trying to create these things and their secrets being stolen, but there's obviously people that are trying to to, to gain a cure or to try and get some kind of vaccine. And and so it's, it's all very, very uh, interesting. Yeah. Anthony makes a great point about insider threat and the example I'll use is Apple computer for many, many years, their, their R and D was um, always sought after what are they doing? And, and these rumor sites would, would publish all the information about their next, you know, iPhone or iPad or next product coming out before Apple was ready to release it. And they were, the, the rumors were fairly accurate because a lot of the information to Anthony's point was coming from the inside. Well, Steve Jobs, to his credit, uh, put a put a stop to that. He basically uh, closed all the R and D down to only those people who had an essential need to know, and he did a great job mitigating those rumors. And uh, over the last, you know, five six years. Um, that policy has still been in place, and it's been very difficult in comparison to the past to get uh, reliable information about what Apple's doing. So Anthony makes a great point. I think they need to look internally as well and um, reevaluate the security internally to keep those internal threats uh, at bay and mitigate those as well. Yeah, when it goes old school like that, you think of the guy from Jurassic Park taking out the uh, DNA <laughs> exactly. in, the sh- in the empty shaving cream can. Uh, but when it, on the cyber side, like it, it's one thing to kind of go old school and have someone steal the information or walk out with some of the, the information or even just whatever's in their head that they could go share. There's a whole different set of circumstances to get to that. But the article mentioned that establishments like universities, the term it uses, they're not entirely helpless and secure access uh, to their research. Uh, they, they secure the access to the research on their own. It's just that their measures aren't always sufficient. So I guess, you know, most people, and I don't know that we have the expertise on the panel right now to say, well, why can't the, FBI or someone step into the universities where they're doing this research, uh, even if it's just a, a handful of them, and say, we're going to augment your security. I suppose you run into some kind of issues there with, well, is that the government coming and taking over our private business and, and doing that? But even just providing some levels of security that there would be a way to have some partnerships there. But take, take aside all of like the, can someone sneak out with the file or a thumb drive with some information on it or, or the thing in the, in, the, in the shaving cream can? When it comes down to what you can actually do on a cybersecurity side, is there really anything more that the military and government can do than what private businesses can do at this point? Is there a, an actual gap 
in what those capabilities are as far as we know. You know, I, I think that's a, I, I really do think that's a tough one to say. Um, you know, when we start talking about uh, all of these institutions, uh, again, public or private, uh, who, are, who are working uh, effortlessly uh, to try and come up with something, um, uh, to try and have the, the government uh, intervene. I mean, even just saying that sounds kind of weird, right? Having government intervene. Uh, I mean, but, it, but things like this kind of get to a point where, you know, like I do my thing, you do your thing, but now we're stepping it up a level, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm in my city, you're in your city and they're doing their thing and stepping it up. My state, your state, stepping it up and so on and so on. And now it's like this country is coming after little old me. I kind of almost want some hands, right? Yeah. I almost want a bit, of, a, bit of, a bit of assistance. But then at the same time, you've got to, where do you draw the line? It's like, well, how far do they reach in? How far do you allow them to now come in? And, and what are you going to end up hanging, uh, handing over the, to them? Now, in saying that, um, I mean, we could, but again, I, I feel this is probably becoming a little bit more like China. Uh, we could start limiting what comes in the gate, right? Uh, from a country perspective, right? So we've got border control, for instance, that, that controls the in and out of people. Um, we could possibly do something uh, from a digital perspective. Uh, now, if we do that, though, what are the ramifications if we start doing that? I mean, that's it's exactly what China is doing. They've got controlled information in and out, right? And, uh, and so I guess at what freedoms are, uh, um, you know, uh, are at stake when we do something like that? Now, again, just back up a little bit. Sure, I, I think these businesses or these schools uh, would welcome some assistance but uh, you know what would be the, the kind of judging criteria for uh, to determine whether there is that involvement and whether a school or again a private ent uh, enterprise welcome that in or how do they request that and then the scalability of that I, I just think that there's there's a lot a lot going on there that um, I just I just don't know how feasible it would be. It's amazing how complex it can get. What really what we're trying to do the complex part of this should be developing the vaccine not protecting the vaccine, but all of it has to be factored in. Dan? At which point, right, oh, I just mentioned, sorry, at which point, you know, I mentioned those things and, and to the point that you just made, um, what is the true shame is that we can't just get to developing the vaccine because we are worried that someone else is just going to come in and take our, you know, take our lunch while we're in the middle of making it. And, and, uh, and anyway, th there's just a whole ton of complexity there that, Difficult to navigate. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. No, I was just going to say that the federal government has, you know, the intelligence agencies certainly have good uh, data and insight on the tactics that the Chinese government is using to, uh, to infiltrate uh, organizations, and they could share that uh, knowledge uh, with these uh, universities and private entities. But to Anthony's point, um, where do you draw the line on where, where you want the federal, federal government intervening there? So it's a touchy subject for sure. Yeah. Going back to my movie analogy, because that's how my brain works. Uh, we want it all to be, we, we all want it to be like Independence Day where the whole world comes together to fight the aliens. Uh, but it's actually more like Jurassic Park where the guy has the hollowed out shaving cream cannons trying to steal a secret. So we got to we got to find a way to not only get the vaccine done, but to find a way to keep the information secret until it's all taken care of. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom, hey, sometimes the bad guys do get caught. We'll discuss right after this. 
You know, I've yet to meet an IT professional who loves waiting hour upon hour to diagnose the problem with your server. They just don't care for it. The good news is they don't have to. Hewlett Packard Enterprises' new info site for servers provides continuous proactive health monitoring and recording for thousands of system parameters 24-7 right on the server. InfoSight then derives insights from the behaviors of the install base to provide recommendations to resolve problems and improve performance. It learns as it goes. Let Valcom help you not only save time, but also your sanity by visiting vlcmtech.com servers. That's vlcmtech.com servers. Do you ever wonder what you would do with $12 billion? Well, that's the amount of money that business email compromising has cost businesses in just the last five years. Barracuda Sentinel detects threats that traditional email security systems can't. It integrates directly with Microsoft Office 365 APIs to detect attacks coming from both internal and external sources. It uses artificial intelligence to detect signs of malicious intent and deception within every email with virtually no IT administration required. Check out vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel to find out how you can save your company from a hacker's $12 billion business. That's vlcmtech.com slash barracuda-sentinel, B-A-R-R-A-C-U-D-A hyphen S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L for more information. Check it out today. All right, welcome back. Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom, Marty Carpenter, Anthony Boise, Dan Schuyler. Uh, last segment, we talked about China trying to steal the information related to a vaccine development. And one thing I don't think we've ever been able to talk about on this show is a hacker who actually gets caught. <laughs> I just, I can't remember a single time. And uh, we need to have some of our law enforcement and FBI folks come back on the show here as we get into season five and talk more about some of these things. But uh, this one caught my eye as a story that popped up this week, only because, like I said, it never seems to happen. Uh, the headline says, Ukrainian hacker nabbed in mega breach involving 773 million login accounts. Uh, the Ukrainian Secret Service, known as the SSU, uh, announced the arrest of a hacker called Sanix, S-A-N-I-X, who attempted to sell this uh, more than I'll, I'll, 773 million stolen usernames and passwords agency labeled the incident what they're calling it the largest collection of stolen data in history. Okay. Hey, good on law enforcement. We, we caught somebody. I thought these guys never got caught. Is, is, are you guys as surprised as I am to hear that someone got caught? I actually was, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I read that and I was just like, yes. <laughs> they got somebody. It's like the opposite of winning the lottery, right? This guy lost the lottery. Dan, did it... I mean, I just can't remember ever reading, oh, they napped this guy. Like, in anything that significant, you might get someone who hacks into a, you know, pulls a Ferris Bueller and hacks in and tries to change their grades on the school computer system or something, but never anything like this. Well, tracking these hackers is very difficult, and these agencies spend months, if not years, trying to figure out where these hackers are or this hacker is. And so you do hear about the occasional uh, victory, if you will, but they're few and far between because they're very good at covering their tracks and it, it takes it. And if you, if you've read some of these stories, a lot of these hackers get caught because just like a burglar, they, they make a mistake. 
and that one little mistake um, is what gets them caught. There was a hacker who was sending pictures um, taunting the police department in states across the country and he was stripping out all the metadata so that they couldn't figure out where the pictures were, were being uh, taken. Um, and he was in such a rush to taunt the police that he sent another batch out and he forgot to strip the metadata out of one picture. And that one mistake is what, what, hit, what, what ended his demise and got him caught. So it's, again, it's the mistakes. They do a great job of covering their tracks, but it's those little mistakes that get them caught. Was there anything to this guy's downfall with just sort of the the mass of what he was what he was stealing and, and selling off? I mean, does that does that actually factor in? I, I, I just looked at that and thought, well, okay, he got greedy and it's seven hundred and seventy three million stolen names and user usernames and passwords. He's trying to push something that big that somehow he made himself more of a target. But the more I think about it, I'm not sure that that actually uh, computes to to, actually, to mean anything. Does well, my it matter question, how much he's trying to sell? Does that make a difference, Dan? Well, is it 700 pounds of bronze or is it 700 pounds of gold or platinum? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the data worth? What, does he, yeah. what did he really have? Certainly, uh, it's a lot, but how old is it? How valuable? How, how uh, sensitive is it? That, 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 didn't, that didn't get addressed. Yeah, they never really give us much info on how they got this done, right, Anthony? No, 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 that's right. Um, mind you, this... Uh, Azh, yeah. However you want to say <laughs> this other guy's other other hacker's name, uh, his or hers. Um, you know, it, it sounds like this uh, this other hacker had something to do with it. So I mean, I'm actually curious on knowing how did this other hacker actually get caught because it, it actually talks about thanks to another data broker called his tagline who reportedly had a dispute with Sanex, and so it's just like. Wait a second. So even if you cross the wrong person, it's, I mean, it's just like any other kind of criminal game, right? You just have to come across one and they'll snitch on another if you give them the opportunity and, and so on and so on. So um, at which point, as I was reading this, I was having the imagery of, um, yeah, you, you want to create alliances and they do no doubt, but you still need to kind of keep some level of anonymity so that, so that they don't actually know where you are because then they could offer you up. But just like to the point that you're asking and the question you're asking, he had multiple data. I don't know if it's a he or she, but Senex had multiple data sets on their machine. And, uh, and when they were confiscated and as they were looked at, uh, there were these waves of information that they were gathering and that they were collecting and selling and combining and so on and so on. And one of the first thoughts that came through my mind is, I wonder if I'm on there somewhere. I mean, we're talking about 700 million you know, 700 million records. Um, there's a there's a chance that I could be there somewhere, right? Um, at which point, then that had me thinking about good good uh, password hygiene and and so on and so on, which had a lot of internal reflection. But I just thought for a moment um, how good it is and how good it felt. Like you said, kind of that that reverse uh, um, lottery. But it felt like we won the lottery because someone had finally been, or what seems to finally have been caught. Uh, which is just awesome. But yeah, it's those breadcrumbs, right? It's those trails. And, and maybe you, you, you snatch the, the wrong cookie from the wrong little, uh, you know, the wrong jar and, and uh, it just turned on you. Yeah. Well, and the hope here, Dan, I suppose, even though this is not provided in the story, 
but but the hope would be from the White Hat side, uh, they catch him, they get to dig in on what he's done, and maybe they can start to figure out some things that law enforcement may not have understood previously about how hackers operate. And so, you know, sometimes you can just, you can pull that one little thread and the whole sweater can suddenly have a, if, it, if not unravel completely, have a bit of an unsightly hole in it. And uh, hopefully that's what law enforcement gets from it. Well, and it's interesting too, I mentioned the stories where hackers do get, do get caught and it's few and far between. But one, one unique thread is, is the, the way they go about their business uh, is fairly unique. Each hacker has a different methodology or approach. They have a foundation, but every hacker has a unique approach. And to your point, Marty, it'll be interesting to see the methodologies that uh, this hacker used. It made me smile when you said they have a foundation. It made me think like they have a philanthropic foundation. <laughs> Hackers giving back, something along those lines. Maybe that's foundational, what they need. foundational skills. Foundational Every organization skills. needs to do some philanthropy to build up your public relations. Hackers have Agreed. a bad image. Hey, if, if they want to hire me and pay me in Bitcoin to help them with their public <laughs> relations needs, uh, I charge an exorbitant amount, but I'm totally worth it. So, <laughs> that's that. well, every everyone knows that if you want to make it far in whatever it is, you just you have to give back a little. Give back and, a little, sure. and, and it will just exponentially grow, right? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what they say. So, hey, good on uh, good on the good guys because they went and got one of the bad guys, and it's always uh, nice to hear that. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us this week on the Cyber Twenty Four podcast presented by Valcom, Dan Skyler. Anthony Boise, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it, guys. This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.